I vividly remember coming home after school on a Friday afternoon my junior year in high school. I walked in the kitchen and there was a stack of recruiting letters, at least 15, maybe 20, at my place at the table. I've been working my whole life to get to this point. I dreamed of playing college basketball since I was five, and I remember this as being a moment when it really hit me. This was going to happen. I was going to play college basketball. I remember quietly taking the letters into my room, reading them, then heading back downstairs. I couldn't show any emotion. I couldn't tell any friends. I couldn't get excited to my family because I'd already told everyone this was already happening. I told them better schools than the ones that just mailed me were already interested. I'd always believed in speaking stuff into existence. If I told people Villanova was recruiting me, I would then have to just figure out a way to make that true. So instead of being happy when I got a stack of recruiting letters, a new layer of stress settled in on top of all the other layers of stress because these weren't the right letters. The last few episodes of the podcast have been pretty tactical startup stuff. This one's more mental. It's about resiliency. Maybe the most important characteristic for any entrepreneur and almost certainly the most misunderstood characteristic. I visualize resiliency as a cup filled with coffee. Use it up each day and the cup refills overnight. There's tons of advice and content out there around how to fill the cup more effectively. Sleep eight hours, drink less caffeine, meditate, all that stuff. There's plenty of advice out there too about how to get more out of every drip of coffee you've got. That's the romanticized grit stuff. The stories of founders working at 1 a.m. when they know their competitors are all sleeping. But what I've found is that both of those, while important, won't create anywhere close to the impact of another strategy. The strategy we're going to talk about today. We'll get inspiration from one of my favorite quotes from one of my favorite thinkers, Charlie Munger. When talking about why him and his business partner, Warren Buffett, have been so successful, Charlie said, quote, it's remarkable how much long-term advantage people like us have gotten by trying to be consistently not stupid instead of trying to be very intelligent. Today, we're not going to talk about how to brilliantly fill the cup higher or teach you how to dig deeper to get more out of every drop. We'll talk about how to not be stupid, how to plug all the leaks that are draining your potential. Because the best way to get out of a hole has always been to stop digging. got a startup idea and a full-time job, we'll help you validate it before you quit. Our 25th cohort of the Accelerator for Idea Stage Founders with Full-Time Jobs is filled up, but the next virtual cohort starts up January 13th. You can apply at gettacklebox.com. Also, if you're interested in a self-serve version of the Accelerator that lets you move at your own pace and frees you from hearing me yell at you about customer interviews, sign up to be a beta tester at gettacklebox.com backslash self-serve, all one word. We'll let a limited group in shortly. Back to it. When I visualize resiliency as a coffee cup, it sometimes throws people off because people romanticize resiliency, especially in the startup world. They lionize the founders who proudly recount those 1 a.m. nights we hear about sleeping in the back of cars for months, and we hear about the 200 no's from investors before landing a check. People mistakenly tie resiliency to motivation. You're willing to do those things because you want it, whatever it is, more than anyone else does. It all starts to feel a little superhuman. Luckily, it's not. Resiliency is like anything else. It can be learned, it can be taught, and it's far more about the visualization of the coffee cup than it is the visualization of sleeping in the back of your car. You do need to be resilient, but sleeping in your bed is gonna be just fine. 
The way to increase your resiliency is to plug all the little holes in your resiliency coffee cup. Not to throw too many visualizations at you during an audio podcast, but the holes in your coffee cup are all IOUs. They're open loops that you've created that accrue mental debt. They clutter your mind and they keep you from performing at your full capacity, which is what resiliency actually is. Resiliency is maximizing the amount of time each day that you're operating while fully present. When your mind is malleable and flexible and can be applied fully to a task. When you really get you into what you're doing. We'll look at two types of IOUs, these holes in your cup, today. Subconscious IOUs and conscious IOUs are going to be the topic. They're both tricky little buggers and they hide in plain sight. We'll start with the harder of the two, conscious IOUs. These are checks you write every day without understanding or thinking of the true impact. In the example to open the podcast, I talked about the speak it into existence or fake it till you make it phenomenon. I use this example, one, because it's painful, but also because it is expressly pushed in the startup world. If you Google how to raise funding, there are a bunch of articles talking about the two different companies you need to create. One version of the company is what you publicly talk about. And one version is transparent, what's actually happening. That second version generally stays in-house. It all kind of stems from the lean approach of validating stuff before you build, but that's been twisted and pulled away from the initial insight extremely far and has just become toxic. The point people make is to game the system, and the rationale is that everyone does it, so it's fine for you to do it too. It's an extremely cynical point of view, and I don't think it's true. So you're supposed to create this aspirational version of your company that'll help you get funding or get you into accelerator programs or whatever, and then it's your job to catch up to that version of the company eventually. Here's how it actually plays out. You get used to telling everyone around you that you're further along than you are. Each time you tell that story, you add cognitive debt. You add weight. You add something else you need to remember. Maybe you tell your dad you've got 250 pre-signups for the company you're thinking about starting. You've actually got 11, but you've got to validate your decision to him using terms he can understand. So you say 250. So now you've got to remember that number. And in two weeks, you can't say 250 again. You've got to say 350. And maybe you tell all your friends this too. Maybe you even tell your significant other. Maybe you're the only one who knows you've only got 11 signups. So you bust your ass and you get to 250 signups and it takes you a month or two, but you get there. Now you can't celebrate. You can't tell anyone because they already thought that you had 250. You've now told them you've got 500. The double life spirals. One of my favorite Bruce Springsteen songs, Atlantic City, has a line that reminds me of this. Bruce is singing about someone who's trying to get on the right path, trying to put away money to pay their debts. But he finally gives up and says, quote, I got the type of debt that no honest man can pay. That's where so many founders find themselves so quickly, with two stories of their startup and no way to catch up to the one that most people think is true. And maybe worst of all, they can never celebrate. Every milestone you hit isn't real because everyone thinks you've already hit it. That's why the recruiting letters weren't exciting to me. I'd already gotten congratulations from people on the fake ones from a few months earlier, and it felt completely hollow accepting that praise and then getting the actual letters. This is a giant hole in your coffee cup and it's endlessly draining. So many of my meetings with founders are around this one issue. They set a culture of fake it till they make it because they think that that's what entrepreneurs do, and then they lose track of reality. It's endlessly draining and it destroys mental clarity. So how do you plug that hole? The lazy answer is to just stop exaggerating where you are when you speak with people. But the much better answer is to recognize how valuable you are, to create a fundamental shift in how you look at the opportunities in front of you. 
The best founders we've worked with are confident in their ability. They know they can do great things. They aren't hoping other people evaluate them by their startup success or potential. They're evaluating their startup's potential to see if it's up to snuff, to see if it's something that's worth their time. They'll bust their ass to get those 250 signups, but not so that they can tell people about the signups, just so that they can prove that this is a thing that's valuable enough for them to spend time on. This cascades into other parts of the company. They price high to make sure the business has healthy margins. They underpromise and overdeliver, not as a tactic, but because they are fundamentally skeptical. The best way to get rid of the conscious IOU of fake it till you make it is to value yourself. This will give you back the freedom to do your best work and raise money when your company has earned it, not when the story you create has. The other type of IOU, the unconscious IOU, is actually much easier to handle and fix than the conscious one we just talked through. That one's kind of a doozy. This one's more fixable, but it'll be a little bit more emotional. You might need to cut some ties. The danger of unconscious IOUs is that they are unconscious. You'd never notice them unless someone pointed them out, but they'll drain your energy like a pasta strainer. And once you start noticing them, you're gonna see them everywhere. The good news is you can have a system in place to stop them by lunch tomorrow. The way to think of unconscious IOUs is a bunch of loops. Our brains like nothing more than a loop. Every loop to our brain needs to be closed. So if we find an open loop, we're in. We'll think about it and we'll work on it subconsciously until there's some sort of a resolution. It's why humans love stories. The beginning of any good story opens a loop. Then we'll be engaged until we hear how it closes. Let's think about your morning. You wake up and maybe you check your phone. You've got two text messages, a few emails, and some comments from an Instagram post you put up yesterday. One text message is asking you if you wanna hop on a Zoom happy hour on Friday. You respond saying you're booked Friday, but maybe Saturday is possible. Boom, open loop. Your brain will be waiting on that response so you can mark your Saturday as either booked or not. The other text message is asking how your weekend went. It's friendly. You respond and you ask how theirs was. Another open loop. You've written yourself two IOUs right off the bat. You need to confirm whatever response comes back about the Zoom happy hour, and you've got to react to however your friend's weekend went. Are these that big of a deal? No, of course not. It's just friendly stuff. Until you start looking at the aggregate. Every time you send an email, you've written a contract to respond to the response. Every Instagram post, you've opened up a loop of how much engagement you'll get. Your brain will wonder until you know, and then five minutes later, it'll wonder again. Every Slack message, every group thread, you're assigning your future self work constantly. And your brain is tasked with holding all of these open loops, waiting for resolution, whether you know it or not. It's the definition of scatterbrained. It's popular these days to talk about the power of saying no about how successful people need to say no a lot and need to get used to it. I definitely agree, but what I've found is that it's far more likely the bigger change in your life will come from limiting the loops you open or at least being conscious of them. Saying no is all about incoming stuff. It's way more likely the bigger change will come from your outflows. It's not a coincidence this pod is coming out the day after the election. I obviously have no idea how it turned out since I'm recording it before. But I do know that over the past four years, people have assigned themselves a ton of work. They've paid close attention to things that in many cases were important, but the IOUs written about the important topics were not. Creative energy was drained from our country the past four years because people don't understand the impact an IOU can have. So how do you fix this? First, you become cognizant of it. Every outgoing, asynchronous, or one-way communication 
you send is signing yourself up for a response at some point in the future. It'll open a loop in your head that'll sap energy for more important work. Make sure whatever the communication is, is worth that. Here's the emotional thing. You might have to drop some group chats. You might have to not check your phone during the day. You might feel less close with your friends, but I promise that closeness was artificial and there are much better ways to actually connect. Second, build yourself a system. Understand what asynchronous communication is good for and what it isn't. It's not good for most conversations. Phone calls are great. They close loops. One call a week will keep you closer than 10 running days of sporadic text messages. Asynchronous communication is great if it's got boundaries and if it's batched. Maybe you respond to Slack messages from 12 to 1 p.m. and 5 to 6 p.m. and everyone in your company knows that. IOUs are about the expectations and boundaries you set. This won't be what most people do. But again, if you want extraordinary results, you can't do ordinary things. You can't do what most people do. Next, you've got to understand the amount of mental debt a social post creates. Create boundaries around that post to minimize the impact. Understand that when you post, your mind will have an open loop until the post has run its course of engagement. Next, I'd suggest spending a day cataloging every loop you open. Just keep a little notebook next to you and write down every time you send out something where there's an expectation for you to respond to it eventually. Then try and batch and limit those IOUs for the next day. Last thing I'd suggest is to build in time to reflect. Every week or every other week, sit down and write out all the open IOUs you currently have. Being aware of this stuff is incredibly powerful. Every time I send a text message now, I think about it as an open IOU. I worked for a while in the internal venture group at Johnson & Johnson. I remember an incredible company with unbelievable tech came in and pitched us. They were using neurotransmitter technology to inject tiny ball bearings into people and they could then control those ball bearings to target and alleviate chronic pain. It freaking blew my mind. I remember thinking the next pitch was fairly boring, especially in comparison. It was for a company that had a product they'd painstakingly built to remind people to take the medicine they'd already been prescribed and to track what medicine they'd actually taken. Everyone in the room was blown away, but by the second company. I didn't get it. The first company's tech was insane. What was so interesting about the second one? When I questioned it, my boss said that the biggest innovation the medical community could possibly dream of would be to get people to take the medicine they were prescribed when they were prescribed it in the right dose and for doctors to know what they had taken and when. Instead of spending your time trying to be brilliant, spend your time trying to not be stupid. The way to be resilient isn't to work 100-hour weeks. That will never last. Resilience is about maximizing the amount of time you spend fully focused and fully engaged, about getting yourself into whatever it is you're doing. The way to do that is to build systems around the IOUs you write so the debt you create yourself isn't stopping everything you're capable of creating. Most of these podcasts have tons of ideas crammed in. This one's only got one, IOUs. It is that important. And you know it killed me to talk about one thing the whole time. So take it to heart. Understand the IOUs you're writing yourself and figure out how to manage and remove them. I was about to end this with our normal have a great week, but I realize when you listen to this, you're gonna know the election results. Holy shit. Hope, oh, I'll see you on the other side. Back to Startup Tactics next week. This was the Idea to Startup podcast brought to you by Tacklebox. If you've got a startup idea and a full-time job, check out gettacklebox.com. Our current cohort is filled, but you can either apply for our January 13th cohort, all virtual, or get in our first group going through the self-serve program. Head to gettacklebox.com backslash self-serve, all one word, if you want to learn more about going through the program at your own.